Welcome to Unity of Tucson. You will find freedom in your relationships when you proceed from a place of love. You will find freedom in your relationships when you proceed from a place of love. Now, let's see a show of hands. If you are currently in a relationship, please raise your hand. Everybody needs to raise their hand. <laughs> we are all in relationship all the time. You may not be in a romantic relationship, but you are in many relationships. Relationship with others, relationship with the people driving the streets of Tucson, relationship with yourself. And so knowing how to do relationships, in, in my opinion, is a great, great, great thing to do to ensure my own personal happiness. And through a lot of work and blood, sweat, and tears, I have learned that when I proceed from a place of love in my relationships, I find freedom. And when I feel free, therefore, I feel happy. So in, in unity, they often tell us what to do. But they don't always tell us how to do it. You know that vision mission thing? They give us a lot of vision, but we need to look at the mission. And so to help us get there in finding freedom in our relationships, I have come up with Reverend Williams' recipe for loving well. <laughs> in five easy steps. <laughs> Number one, numero uno. Hey, we're in Tucson, okay? <laughs> Be at peace with yourself. Your relationships begin and end with you. And your state of mind colors each one of your relationships. So before you can even think about having a good relationship with anybody, this inside of here has to be at peace. Because when you are not at peace with yourself, you bring not peace to your relationships. Yeah? Yeah. yeah. Unity, but let's go a little Baptist. Can I have an amen? Amen. amen. <laughs> They say that relationships are a lot of work, but relationships are not a lot of work when we do our own work first. So in your quest for having good, happy, peaceful relationships filled with freedom, I encourage you to work on yourself first. 
Your mileage may vary, but I used to have a lot of really bad relationships until I started reading the books they talk about in Unity and listening to the messages at Unity and at, and at other sources. And as I became a better person inside, magically, my relationships became better. And I found out that I attract who I am. You want quality? Be quality. Number one, be at peace with yourself. There's one more. <laughs> Number two, let others be who they are. We spend so much time in our relationships coercing people to be who we are. Yeah. And nobody wants to put up with that. We need to let people be who they are because they came to this lifetime to find out more about who they truly are. In fact, I personally believe that there are people in the unseen, souls in the unseen, waiting in line to incarnate into a human experience to find out more about who they truly are. And who are we to take that opportunity away? In your relationships, let people be who they are. And I put this to practice, because one thing is to blah, blah, blah about it, and another thing is to do it. And uh, recently, last November, on a beautiful Tucson autumn day, I was blessed to be blessed. Let me say that again. I was blessed to be blessed in marriage to my beautiful, wonderful wife, Silvana. Yes, Silvana. <laughs> And uh, Trevor and Jonathan performed the ceremony right out here in the gazebo. And uh, as part of this ceremony, he asked us to do wedding vows for each other. And as I'm composing my vows to her, I thought, what can I possibly offer this wonderful woman as we embark in a life together that will allow her to be happy? So I had a few things that I said, but the last sentence in my wedding vows to her were, was, I will make a space for you to be who you are. I'm going to pull a Jonathan here. And I thought, what better thing can I do to a person that decided to share her life with me than to make a safe space for her to be who she is? And so far, it's been working great. <laughs> <laughs> so let others be who they are so that they can be who they came here to be. Okay. Number three, numero tres. Make requests, not demands. What is the difference? If I ask you to do something for me, and you don't do it, and I get mad at you for not doing it, that's a demand. On the other hand, if I ask you to do something for me, and you are not able to provide it, and I don't get mad, that's a request. And the problem with demands is that that's where the conflict begins. 
If I ask you to do something for me and you can't or simply don't want to do it and I become very angry with you, that's going to go nowhere right there and now. But if I ask you to do something for me and you can't or don't want to do it, I will still love you. Because my love for you does not depend on what you do for me or don't do for me. I may, I may have to go somewhere else to, to have that need met. But I will not be angry at you. Um, again, in my journey of uh, reading books and learning uh, good principles, I came across a magic phrase. I have learned to use this phrase and it, with good results. And, and the phrase is, when I, I need to ask someone to do something for me, I will say, would you be willing to blank? Joe, Mary, any Mary, not you. Uh, <laughs> Joe, Mary, would you be willing to blank? And usually people are willing to do it because I am asking. In your relationships, learn to ask for what you need in a loving way. And if you do not get it, that is no excuse to be mad with each other. I had friends, and, and he was an entrepreneur. Great, great people, but he was an entrepreneur, very busy. And he would flush by the kitchen in the morning and say to his wife, uh, Jenny, make me some toast. Well, Jenny didn't like that. And if he had simply said, good morning, honey, would you be willing to make me some toast as I start my day, I think things would have gone differently. Same toast, same kitchen, <laughs> but a loving way to ask for what you need. Make requests, not demands, and you are likely to get what you need one way or another. Number four. Numero cuatro. Do not make others responsible for your happiness. Nobody, and I mean nobody, came to this world to make you happy. <laughs> really, nobody came to this world to make you happy. And when we enter relationships, we go, you are going to make me happy. <laughs> and again, that doesn't go very far. The problem with relationships is that they tend to become a marketplace for the trading of goods and services. <laughs> and at first, everything is on sale. I mean, I'm going to give that thing away almost for free. <laughs> but then as time goes on, the price goes up. And the price goes up. And the price goes up. And one day you wake up and you go, hmm, I used to get that thing almost for free, and now I'm paying three times as much. I'm going to raise my price too. 
And the other person goes, wait a second. He just raised his price. I'm going to raise my price too. And before long, relationships become a price war zone. And people keep raising the price and raising the price until nobody can afford those same goods and services that were so easy to get early on. And the relationship is doomed to fail. And I have to tell you, any time that you are in a relationship where you are paying a high price for what you're getting, you are in bondage. And when you are in bondage, you cannot feel free. And when you cannot feel free, you cannot be happy. And that's a key determinant of relationships. And I'm not talking romantic only, work, uh, home, children. What is the price that I am paying to get what I want? And because we need to be fair, what price am I charging for the other person to get what they want? I don't know, maybe you should raise the interest rate and see what happens. <laughs> but relationships need not be a place where we trade goods and services. Relationships need to be a place where we make a space for each other to be who we truly are. And so, do not make anybody, anybody, your boyfriend, husband, boss, anybody, responsible for your own happiness. Because your happiness begins and ends with you and only you. Number five, numero cinco, be unconditionally concerned with the well-being of those in your life. What does that mean, though? We sometimes misinterpret the word unconditional concern. That means I am going to be there for you no matter what, no matter how you treat me, no matter what you do, because my love for you does not depend on your behavior. My love for you is because I want to love you. So, in your relationships, Use another phrase that I learned in the past that has given me great knowledge. When my boss storms into my office, fuming and spitting, I just look at him in the eye and I say, how can I help you? <laughs> and that seems to instantly disarm anybody that comes to you in anger. Now, being concerned with the happiness of other people doesn't mean you have to be a doormat, as they say. We do have to enact boundaries uh, to protect ourselves from ill behaviors. But the two things are not related. I can protect myself from your ill behaviors, and I can still do what I can to ensure that you are well. A friend of mine came to me and said, uh, William, William, my daughter lies all the time. 
I can't stand it. She's, she's 14 and she lies constantly. And I find it so hard to love her when she's lying to me. What should I do? And I said to her two things. Number one, your love for your daughter and her behavior are not related. Number two, look at your daughter in the eye and say, what do you need? How can I help you? Because 90 times out of 100, ill behavior is nothing more than a misguided cry for help. And anybody that comes at you screaming and fuming and spitting and, and flashing lightning balls, say, how can I help you? You may or may not be able to help them, but I believe that that question in itself will be the beginning of ending the conflict. So your love for people in your life has nothing to do with their behavior. And when somebody's behavior is ill, ask them, what do you need? Be unconditionally concerned with the well-being of those people in your life. So that's Reverend Williams' recipe for loving well. Now, a good church talk has to have a good Bible quote, right? <laughs> well, maybe not a unity, but in other places. So here's one. Uh, Jesus the Christ, uh, in the gospel according to John, chapter 15, verse 12, was quoting as having said, this is my commandment, that you love each other as I have loved you. Love each other, that's all of you, as I have loved you. How did Jesus the Christ love us? Well, read the gospel accounts. Not so much the letters of Paul, but the gospel accounts. <laughs> and the gospel accounts will show you a guy that unequivocally would say to anybody he met, how can I help you? What can I do for you? Now, they wrote it in some weird, archaic language way, but when you get past that, the language says, what can I do for you? How can I help you? I'll do it if I can. So why don't we start with that? Why don't we start loving each other like Jesus the Christ loved us according to the gospel's accounts? And whether you believe in classical Christianity or not doesn't matter. The goal is, how can I help you? What can I do for you? And I believe that besides the good songs and the meditations and all that good stuff, that will be the road to peace in the world. So here's homework. I'm a teacher. I give homework. Two-part homework. Part one, find a situation in your life that is very challenging to you this week. And ask yourself, what part am I playing in that challenging relationship or situation? Part two, Find a very, very fulfilling situation in your life and ask yourself, what part am I playing in that fulfilling situation? And then compare and contrast. 
and find out how the part that you play in each situation, in each relationship, colors that situation and drives your experience in that situation. Okay? Are you willing? Yeah. I'm going to check up on you next week. <laughs> Sue Oliver is here, but I'm going to ask her, Sue, can I squeeze in for a minute and check? <laughs> so remember, friends, you will find freedom in your relationships when you proceed from a place of love. I bless you. Hi, this is Reverend Jonathan Zenz, and I want to thank you for listening to the podcast of my Sunday message. Your financial support will ensure that we can continue to offer this as an option for inspiration. You can make your tax-deductible contribution in any amount on our website, unitytucson.com. Once again, thank you for listening. You are magnificent. Namaste.